Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Sullison. With me, as always, is my very, very talented friend who is a true force of wonderment, the mixtress, DC Gina. Hey, Louise, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, love? I mean, you know, it's my fair shake of a day. I'm into it. There you go. And you are, uh, looks like you're uh, coming in from uh, Buffalo and Bergen on uh 240 mass, right? How can you even see me? I'm, I'm wearing green. I'm behind green. I mean, I'm counting. Well, it's right? it's because you're moving your head just enough for me to see you because you're like, you know, like I'm a genie. You stand in still. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of a bagel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. So today, Gina, I have a little ditty for you and I'm going to take you back in time. Back to April 26, 1777. It was a dark and stormy night in Danbury, Connecticut, when suddenly there was a rapping, a rapping on the door of Colonel Henry Ludington's home. As fate would have it, only his young daughter of 16 years, Sybil Ludington, would be there to greet the rapping of the Midnight Rider. The rider, who had pushed himself and his horse beyond the point of exhaustion, had come to warn her father that the British, indeed, were coming. Sybil waited not a minute. She knew exactly what she needed to do. She knew that she had to be the one to sound the alarm. Armed with nothing more than a big stick, she leapt into action and rode more than 40 miles as fast as her father's trusted steed would carry her. And by daybreak, she had successfully gathered the regiment of more than 400 men. Her quick thinking and act of bravery eventually led to the regiment joining other American forces at the Battle of Ridgefield, where they successfully drove the British troops back to Long Island Sound. Basically, they got the hell out of Dodge, or at least boarded ships and headed back to New York. It sounds much like the story of Paul Revere, I know, the one we learned in elementary school. And it is basically the same, except... She rode twice as far, was half his age, and is seldom given credit for her heroic act. Sybil was eventually honored. In 1912, the poem Sybil Ludington's Patriotic Ride was written, and in 1975, a postal stamp with her likeness was released. So speaking of great women who are sounding the alarm, gathering the forces, and maybe not receiving all the fanfare they deserve, leads me to today's designated drinker. She's Jill Barkley-Roy, the Affiliate Director of Emerge. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be great. Good, good, good. Did you know about Sybil? I honestly did not know about Sybil. I did know about Sybil, but because of that poem you referenced, not, not, not obviously learned about her growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I read the poem. I did not tell I was, her story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but that, I thought it was kind of cool that, I mean, like the fact that here, here she is, I mean, she's 16 years old, again, like, like I said, half the age of Paul Revere. Um, or twice as far. And apparently her father was the commander of the 7th Regiment uh, of a militia. Um, so, and they uh, lost the first part of it because basically the British troops were coming and they were uh, taking out um, supplies. Um, so, but they did save Ridge, Ridgefield, I believe is what that was called. So anyway. I don't remember her in Hamilton, but they should, they should cut her in. <laughs> I mean, I, I think like we that. should... We need to write somebody a letter, I think. Yeah, post-COVID Hamilton, change up, add Sybil. Great. Yeah. <laughs> they should tell her story. Hashtag yeah. Sybil, add Sybil. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, Jill, tell us what, what is Emerge? So Emerge is the nation's premier organization that recruits and trains Democratic women to run for office and win. And we are in wow. 27 states and we also do regional and national trainings where we recruit and train women to run for office at all levels, as we like to say right now, from the school board to the U.S. Senate. That's really cool. That's really cool. I, I wanted to make sure we did that immediately because I know both Gina and I are really excited about having you on the show. I think we're both like highly in Engage voters. We have, I know it's hard to believe we have a lot to say. So I wanted to make sure before we go off the rails that we got that done right out of the gate. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so um, how did you get involved? Well, I got involved in Emerge um, over a decade ago. A very persistent woman named Helen gave me a phone call and I pulled my car over. I was on my way to work. And Helen told me that I needed to run for office here in Maine, where I live. She said I needed to run for the Maine House of Representatives. And I told Helen that that sounded crazy and that that was nothing that I was ever gonna do. Um, But luckily, Helen um, continued to persist, as did other women from Emerge Maine, and they convinced me to be part of the training program myself. I did run for office myself, and I went on to serve as the executive director here in my home state, and now I work for the national organization. So it's been um, over a decade of just really loving this mission and this this organization and what we do. So how did you get the um, run for office bug? <laughs> um, I got the run for office bug when I was a kid. My dad actually ran for and won a seat on our local school board. And that same year, I ran for class president. Um, it was around Thanksgiving. So my first campaign sign said, don't be a turkey, vote for Jill Barkley, which yeah. doesn't more make any sense. But that was my first campaign slogan. <laughs> and, um, That's hilarious. And I, like, made, I made the signs myself with my hands, the little turkey. Um, and I don't know. My parents just really instilled in my sister and I this idea that we should serve our communities and um, really inspired us to be strong leaders. My dad likes to say he wanted to raise strong women, but he might have gone a little too far. Um, so we uh, but, but that was that was that was it for me. I, I, I learned from watching that that was what you do. And I went on to serve as student government all throughout the rest of elementary school and high school. And then in college, I served in student government at the University of Michigan. And then I just, I knew that politics was where I wanted to be. I just feel like there's change that gets made when someone steps up and runs and serves and is there for the right reasons, as they like to say on The Bachelor, and um, gets things done. (laughs) Did you just quote The Bachelor? (laughs) Reality television is my guilty pleasure. So, yes. So we uh, we have a friend of the show who is um, one of the Potomac Housewives and her husband, Chris, who actually was just on the show just a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. So we get um, they were here for dinner. Uh, we did a patio thing um, just a couple weeks ago and they can't tell you anything, though. I didn't no. get any dirt. None. I wouldn't even try to ask. I like to be surprised. I did learn how to get those amazing eyelashes. And I do know that it costs an awful lot of money. And it's a, um, a very long, arduous process okay. <laughs> that I don't think I'm willing to do. <laughs> See, that's how important reality TV can be. <laughs> it's true. So. Tell me how, um, who, who have you, have you worked with anyone? I mean, what is in, 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 and how have you helped them get through? I would imagine there's a lot of 
like obviously it's people who run for office there there can be many types i'm sure um and some are doing it for all the right reasons we'd like to think but some yeah maybe not so but how do you work with them and how do you set up somebody for that chance because you know it's a 50 50 shot right you're gonna win or lose and um how do you set them up for that You know, at Emerge, we we really believe in building um, leadership and really building a candidate, sometimes from the ground up. A lot of the women that come to our program, just like me, do not think that they're qualified. They don't think that they have what it takes to run for office. They don't have a poli-sci degree. They're not an attorney. You know, they don't have a lot of money. You know, all, all of the things that they think you have to be to be a candidate. So most, we don't really vet um, the women that come into our program. We do have a recruitment process and an interview process and you have to, you know, pass some, some sort of test, but we, we really want to find authentic women who we believe are qualified to run. Um, so we look in a lot of um, maybe unusual places, you know, I think teachers should serve on the school board. I think moms are qualified to run for office because they know quite a lot about um, childhood education. Um, you know, we find, we find women anywhere and we, um, we usually have to ask them more than once to consider running. Um, and then we get them interested in our training program. We let them know um, in our training program, you know, we focus on lots of different things about, from developing their message to picking the right race at the right time to, you know, how to fundraise so they can fund their campaigns. And we really believe that we can instill all of this in them and then also provide them with a really strong network of other women to support them through this process because it's a hard thing. It's not easy to run for office. It's very difficult and it takes a lot out of you and you definitely need a strong support system. Well, there's a 50-50 shot, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you can lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the but, truth. But to your you, you were telling me when we were speaking earlier, though, that that's part of the process, right? Like just because you don't win the first time doesn't mean you should give up. There's a lot to be learned along the way and you take those learnings along with you. Right. Yeah, a lot of women in our network actually run two or three times before they win their seat. A lot of times a woman will run in a district that has historically always been a Republican district. And maybe she's the first Democrat to run there in a while. So she's got to get her name out. She's got to get her issues out. And she has to convince the people in that district that she's worthy of their vote. And so it might take two or three tries. And we just say, don't give up, you know, keep coming back. That's I mean, that's good life. Uh, like uh, um, advice, actually, I think, huh? <laughs> especially right now. <laughs> so how do you how do you see we're shaping up as um, as a nation now with women in uh, running for office? How do you how do you see it? How are we faring? You know, we're still um, pretty, pretty low, right? I mean, I think that most of our state legislatures are not representative. Um, you know, one state has a female majority legislator, that's late legislature, and that's Nevada. And that's the result of a lot of emerged women who actually ran for office in Nevada. Um, but we we're not, we're not doing so well. But I think that we are on an upward trajectory. I have to believe that and it's not just because it's job security. I think that more and more <laughs> We're seeing that women are throwing away this notion that they're not qualified because I think that we could easily point to some men who might be holding office in this country that might not seem entirely qualified uh, from the top on down. So women are throwing away that notion. I think they're starting to realize that if you care about your community and you're willing to step up and 
serve and educate yourself on issues, you're totally qualified. Um, I also think that we're seeing more and more this idea that representation truly matters. You know, we want to be able to see people that look like us in office. That inspires us to vote. That inspires us to get involved ourselves. And so we're seeing a lot of women looking to other women who are currently elected and feeling inspired. You know, she can run for office and she's a mom. She's a woman of color. She's an immigrant. She has an accent. I can too. And that's what we're all about at Emerge is we just really believe representation matters and we're really trying to inspire the new American majority to step up and run for office. So it is women of color. It is immigrant women. It is LGBTQ plus women like me. Um, we just really want to see more women like us in office. That's actually an initiative that we just launched is women like me. Um, oh, that's awesome. So I, I think it's inspiring and, and I think yeah. more women are going to step up. I think it's um, also what we were talking about before was uh, what's happening here in Virginia of all places. Um, that's really exciting. Very, very. When you yeah, talk I mean, about have, women like me or, you know, people like me. Yeah, we have tons. Of, one of the women who was just featured in our video, her name is Alexis Rogers. She's a community organizer and activist who's running for the mayor of Richmond right now. She's one of our alums. We have Delegate Danica Rome in the House of Delegates. Um, Jennifer Carroll Foy, who's running for governor in Virginia, is one of our alums. Um, Hala Ayala um, is running for lieutenant governor. She's one of our alums. We have tons of Emerge women in Virginia that we're very proud of, that are very uh, representative of their communities. The interesting thing, thing is because I'm not from here, uh, but I live, you know, obviously in the D.C. area now. Um, I never thought of Virginia as being like the most progressive spot, you know, like to hear those things happening here uh, in, in our area, in our local area. It's really inspiring to think that, you know, your reach isn't just in the more progressive, um, more uh, what we might think is more liberal um, cities. So no, you know, emerge intentionally after 2016. <laughs> um, we had a we had a moment where lots of people were interested in the work that we did. And we did do a lot of expansion into new states. And we intentionally chose to expand into the South. Um, our political director at the time, who's now our president, Ashanti Golar, came to us from the Democratic National Committee. And she said that we had to invest in the South. We had to go to these Southern states and build infrastructure and inspire women to run for office and win. And we knew at times it would be an uphill battle. We could have very easily gone to a liberal blue state and started an emerge and gotten a ton of women elected. But we wanted to make long-term real change. And that's why we chose to invest in the South. And Virginia is technically the South as well. So, um, so sometimes, you know, women do, as we said before, have to run more than once in those areas, but it's totally worth it. So if uh, you, if you, if you knew somebody who's kicking around the idea, looking at Gina about how she might be able to make an impact and even starting to toy with the idea of running for office. What would you, is there any advice you have for that? Yeah, well, it depends. So Gina, if you were thinking of running for office, what level of office do you think you'd want to run for? Would you want to stay local? Would you want to run for the legislature? Okay, I'm just going to say she wants to be the damn president and I'd vote for her, damn it. <laughs> Well, clearly we've seen that anyone can do that. So that's great. Um, get yourself a reality television show. Um, what do I think I want to do? So I've been... Um, From you know, podcast to president. Um, people that know me, I have been on the board, um, you know, fundraising board for like DC Central Kitchen and Share Strength for 15 years. And I think that we are lacking on our um, 
in, in the state, I live in the state of Maryland on more of a local county level. And I think that like, you know, education, unfortunately, you know, only in a couple of counties is really, is really good. And then everywhere else, it's kind of like lacking. And also that comes with um, the poverty that you can have extreme poverty in a very wealthy district or um, county. So like, I think I want to start somewhere there. Because I think I have a lot to say about it. And like, I think that like, there's a lot to give. And I think that people don't realize that a little bit goes a very long way. And I, and I, and I, and for me, that's where I think I would start. Like one day would I love to be like, have a bigger voice? Sure. Do I think that the AOC is amazing? I love her. But like, you know, and I'm from New York originally and I've lived in, um, I've lived in DC and Maryland longer than I lived in New York. I came here when I was 18 and went to University of Maryland. So like, I kind of devoted myself to the state. I don't know. It's crazy. I, it. I open businesses here and all of that. So, well, it sounds like you already have the making of your stump speech, right? The fact yeah. that you've come to Maryland, you've been invested here, you've had businesses here, you serve on um, a couple of different boards. That is all great. Sounds like you're really qualified to run for office, Gina, and you should do it. So, Gina, what I'm going to tell you to do is go visit my friends at Emerge Maryland. Sign up for their email list. Um, they do an awesome program called Taste of Emerge when they're recruiting women to join one of our training programs there. Um, we call them Step Forwards in some other places. And what that is, is it's a workshop to start to think about dipping your toe in the office and consider running for office. So they're going to ask you a lot of questions, give you a lot of things to think about so you can start to put together a plan for when you're going to run for office and then you can sign up and apply to be part of our larger training program. And in that program, we're going to help you find your message, which I said, you've already got makings of your stump speech already. Um, we're going to help you figure out how to fundraise to get other people excited about your candidacy and give you money so you can do things like send mail pieces to people, maybe do some Facebook ads, some podcast ads, some radio ads. Um, and we're going to help you put together a campaign plan so you know how to get your message out there, talk to voters. Um, and we're going to provide you with a huge network of support for the days where it feels really tough. That but is totally so cool. do it. I would totally, I think you know, there's a lot of people. I think there's a lot of women out there that want to do more. And I think like that is an incredible amount of information that you just gave me. And I think if anyone's listening should, should definitely do it. And I probably am going to follow up with you after. You should. I'm, I'm going to follow up with you after because we're very <laughs> persistent at Emerge. There's so much more to give. Like, you know, I'm busy. I have two kids. I have, you know, four businesses. I am not just like, you know, hanging out, doing nothing. But I feel like when you have something to say, when you have a good message and when you're a positive person and you want to make a better impact on the world, you leave. Like, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Well, so. my colleague and one of my best friends, Lila, always says that if you want something done right, you need to give it to a busy woman. So we believe in busy women at Emerge. A lot of the women who work here are moms. They're homeschooling their kids right now, right? Because COVID, um, they're juggling all the things and they just find more time to give back. And I think that's really inspiring. I love that. I love what you do. Let's have a drink, please. Okay. Yeah. Let, why don't we get a drink going? And um, I was just going to say, I love the fact that we're juggling all things. <laughs> all the things. All the things. <laughs> I'm just a dog mom for now, but he's a lot. So I'm. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? 
I have a golden retriever named Winston. Uh, that is a very, like Churchill? Like Churchill. He's very regal. I love... <laughs> I love that. Does he walk around with a cigar in his face, though? (laughs) No, a tennis ball. (laughs) I do love that. Um, What you got, Gina Gina? So you're from Maine, and I love everything about Maine. I think it's absolutely stunning and beautiful. And for me, owning a restaurant that serves breakfast, we are obsessed with maple syrup and blueberries and those things from Maine. So today I chose to highlight doing something with maple syrup. And I feel like a lot of people feel that maple syrup might only come from New Hampshire or Canada, but some of my favorite maple syrup is from the great state of Maine. So I want to start by making it old fashioned because what is better than lobster with a little bit of lobster than old fashioned, especially if you've drawn butter and it's winter and you do all the things, right? So. We do. I eat lobster year round. <laughs> right. So like, have you ever had lobster with old fashioned and a little, and like a little bit sweetened? Yeah, okay. So you take your butter. You will now. So instead of doing your regular butter and everyone always assumes garlic and parsley and all of those things, you take like a tablespoon of a uh, very dark amber maple syrup and you put it into your butter and you draw it and you warm it up all together. And then maybe add like a little bit of um, like nutmeg, and if you're not a nutmeg person, then maybe like a, um, a little bit of um, star anise, and you draw it, and you make it warm, and it's more of a wintry uh, um, lobster, and it gives you more of like, you know, a, a fall or warm weather kind of food than having summer lobster, you know, a little bit colder on the patio, right? Wow. So with that, we are going to make a rum old fashioned. So like if you have all those things going on, a rum old fashioned is delicious. And instead of using simple syrup, we are going to use maple syrup. And I'm gonna show you how to do it because it's a little bit different when you're using a syrup in there instead of um, a simple syrup, right? So you're gonna use maple syrup. So you're gonna use two bar spoons or about a half an ounce of maple syrup. And then you're gonna use two ounces of your rum. Now I'm using Smith and Cross rum. This is a traditional Jamaican rum. It's very, very dry. And you want to use a dry rum in this because you want the flavors, the sweetness to come out of the maple syrup and not be like overly sweet because nothing's worse than doing an um, an old fashioned and it's like crazy, crazy sweet. You want to do something that when it melts, it gets a little bit sweeter and gets a little bit more floral. But Jill, you're doing a little, you're changing it up a little bit, right? Yeah. She's going to use rye. I'm going to use rye. I'm not much of a rum fan. I'm using some rye. But it's, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's called Rodham Rye named after Hillary Clinton, who we love. So that is me. Just so you know, Rodham Rye is bottled down the street from us here in Washington, D.C. On, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, it's right on New York Avenue. Um, on your way out of the district and you can go over to Republic Restoratives and visit the wonderful ladies over there and get Yes, and she also does a wonderful apple brandy, which is one of my absolute favorites. Ooh, okay, I need some of that. So inside there- Travel again. (laughs) Yeah, so you're doing the rye and then we're doing the rum. So in here I have, again, two bar spoons of maple syrup or about a quarter of an ounce. And then since you're doing rye, you want to use a half an ounce of maple syrup. And then I'm going to use a mixture of Angostura and orange bitters together. And I'm only going to use three dashes um, total. 
So kind of, you want to just do a little bit in there. And then, because I'm using rum, if you're using rye, I would probably use uh, three dashes of the Angostura, um, full dashes. And if you have any orange bitters, use a little bit of a citrus bitter. And if not, you do not need to. Jill, what kind of bitters do you have on hand? I actually have some locally made bitters here from Maine Distillery. Um, they're called sea smoke bitters, but it does say that they have orange peel in them. That so sounds awesome. I think they're good. I love that. I like the little whale on it. It's amazing. All right. Yes. So now at this point, when you have everything in there, you put the bitters in, you're going to add a little bit of salt. Now I would probably use just a pinch, right? If you're using a bigger salt like Maldon salt or um, a French salt or a fleur de sel, you want to maybe use like two or three flakes because that is a pyramid salt and it's the salinity is much higher. So do not use a pinch of a flake salt in there, just um, a few of the um, pyramid, um, the pyramid crystals. All right, so now all that's in there, and this is one thing that we haven't done before is using salt with liquor. You want to just stir the salt in and watch it dissolve a little bit on the bottom before you add your ice. Because if you do it after, then it doesn't do the exact same thing in the drink. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because you're looking for the heat of the alcohol to melt the salt. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what happens is, when you use um, a dark liquor, dark rum, rye, bourbon, scotch, anything with salt, is that what happens, it caramelizes the taste and the salt brings out the oak and the vanilla in the barrel of whatever liquor you're using. Oh, All right, interesting. So we are going to now stir our cocktail, right? So as usual, and if anyone ever listens to the show and says stir a cocktail with us, if your room temperature is uh, a crazy 80 degrees, you need to stir this until infinity. And if your room temperature is a comfortable 67, then 30 to 45 rotations is your number. So we're gonna stir it. And you've been, and practice on this makes perfect, right? So the more you stir in your lifetime, the quieter your stir gets. And when you get really good, you lose the clang. Mine's and very loud. <laughs> mine too. And that's okay. <laughs> So you're gonna give it, you're gonna keep stirring. So I'm at 20. And then you think of other things clever to say while you're stirring so people don't get really <laughs> bored. And then you try to do like magic tricks because it's going into the holiday season. You're like, there's a witch stirring it and she isn't. Anyway, so I'm almost there. I am at 41, two, three, four, and five. All right, so now this drink can be served up or on the rocks. I love my old fashioned on the rock, I, rocks. I also like them up. I'm actually gonna serve this one up because I haven't done that in a while. So we just chill the coupe glass and you, and, and I love, and this drink, literally just pour it over rocks if that's what you wanna do. And you're gonna pour it in the glass and you get this really beautiful color. And we are going to cut an orange coin and you can use uh, a lemon if you prefer, but I really like the, uh, the orange. And take a little orange coin, give it a cut, and I'm just gonna show you that when you cut it, what you're looking for very specifically is this comes off and you only see the pit and you don't have any flesh. Look, I saw I did that it right. patch. Look. It looks beautiful, Louise. See, you're getting so good, Louise. I did it. <laughs> you're gonna hold it in your fingers like this. <laughs> Jill, okay. hold it in your fingers like this. So it's facing out so I see the skin. Flip it. Perfect. Now you're gonna take it and you're going to squeeze it just like that over the top of your drink. 
And now you're gonna actually touch it to the rim of your glass, whether it's rocks or not, and you can drop it in. And you should, at this point, be getting a lot of the um, oils of the orange and now starting to smell your um, rum or rye at this point and the bitters. And now we're gonna, let me, let me put this up and we'll cheers. 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 Mm. So did you That's use like, rum, Louise, or did you use, what did you use? I used rum. I used rum. This is used really rum. delicious, Gina. What kind of rum did you use? Pirate rum. Like P-Y-R, like yeah, which yeah. one? Okay. So the pirate rum, I didn't know if you had something crazy that you picked up somewhere else. The pirate <laughs> rum is really nice because it's literally aged um, also in New Oak as well. And you get a lot of vanilla tones from that one. And that's really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this is like an after dinner. I mean, this is like end of the night, just like dessert in a glass. Delicious. Um, the Rodham Rye is one of my, I really do love that rye. It has, in the beginning when you first drink it, it has um, a lot of like, uh, like acetone -y, like uh, tones in the beginning. And when you put bitters with that, and especially with the salt, it must have taken it down to become a little bit more um, caramelly because... The, I know for sure that she ages in uh, New York, but like, it's amazing. So I'm so happy that you have a product that I know what it is and who it is made by, which makes it even more better, right? More better, better, not more better. Um, anyway. I'm all about supporting women businesses and women organizations. So put my money where my mouth is. I mean, Jill, I love Absolutely. that. Uh, and I guess that's, that's all I got. Uh, we're gonna do a little housekeeping. Or what are we going to call it now, Gina? I think barkeeping. We're going to do a little barkeeping. Where's everyone going to go to get this uh, to get this recipe? They are going to go to designateddrinker.show. Wait, wh where? They're going to go to designateddrinker.show for tips, tricks, how-tos, and Louise's personal home phone number, which is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> what will actually be there is not my personal phone number, but Gina's new house address. Uh, we will... <laughs> We are definitely going to have all um, all the information about Emerge, um, the links to get out to get to your website, especially if people are interested in women are interested in running because we 100% support that. Um, and the other place you're going to find that is in our episode notes. So if you didn't catch that, don't worry, just hit, swipe down to the episode notes. It'll all be there for you. So um, do you obviously I know the answer to this, but I'm going to tee it up. Um, where do you think the most need is and is there still room for more women? It's yeah. an easy one, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. So, um, you know, the very recently late Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that women belong in all places where decisions are being made. Um, oh, that's great. So I live by that quote. I think that women belong in places where all decisions are being made. And so you should look around you. You should look at your city council. You should look at your school board. You should look at your legislature. Um, you should see if there's ever been a woman governor in your state. Uh, maybe you've never sent a woman to Congress. Like in Vermont, they've never sent a woman to Congress. Um, so, you know, you need to look around you and identify the need and step up to run and claim your spot at the table. And um, once you're there, make room for more of your sisters to come along with you. So I think the need 
is everywhere. <laughs> I think that we can find it. Um, you know, I do think that with with what's happening in our country right now, what's recently happened with the Supreme Court, I think state legislatures are going to be important now more than ever. And at Emerge, we have a really big focus on state legislative seats. Um, we do some training around state legislative seats in some of our states. And we just really think it's important for women to step up to run and serve in the legislature. Yeah, if anyone um, doubts that, we should start looking at what's happening to our judicial system and where judges are and how that's going to affect us. And uh, to your point, um, Ruth, well, obviously, um, I think many of us were burning candles and sage and anything else that we could do um, to wish her well. And unfortunately, we lost her too soon. Um, but yes, we uh, keep your eye on all of those things as well. And um, you're right, it, starting at your school board, I never even thought of that. I don't have kids, but um, I was asked to uh, join a civic council and I had been kicking it around and just haven't made it happen. But that because but to your point, starting anywhere is better than doing nothing at all you have to do that we have these names oh that's what's that say gina can't tell truth without ruth that's awesome yeah so so there's a yeah for our listeners gina's holding up some really cool face masks are those for your employees yeah well actually we we are located on on the capitol hill location and we are uh two blocks from um the capitol and I wanted to say something, and this is a woman, uh, Lid Flutterist, she's a woman artist here in DC, and she did all this beautiful RBG, um, you know, different prints and stuff. So we had it printed on the face mask, and we give them out to other women or men that support, you know, women's rights and believe in them because it's crazy to think that it's possible that somebody can change that. So, you know, like, I have two little girls. I don't, I don't ever want to see that happen. So I'm sorry. And yes, you should run for everything, please. So I, I, yeah. go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, another favorite quote of mine by Ruth Bader Ginsburg is um, she was asked how many women should be on the, or how many women would be enough on the Supreme Court. And she said nine. Um, and, and, you know, the interviewer laughed and she said, well, we've done it with all men before. Why don't we do it with all women and and see how it goes or something to that effect? I'm definitely paraphrasing. And I think that that's interesting, you know, is that there's not, we're not looking necessarily for parity. We, We just, we want qualified women to step up and run. So, you know, a female majority legislature in Nevada is amazing and we can keep going. I think it's Um, crazy to think that that is like a joke an all woman like like court like it, the, the yeah. fact that all justices could be women but to your point they were all men for for all and and it's not a radical thought that all it would be an all men or all male space but if you say oh it should be an all woman space then you're very you're radical and 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 it's it's just crazy how that's not equal <laughs> It's true. And at Emerge, I want to especially say, you know, we focus on democratic women because we want to see women who share our values elected to office. And so not all women are um, are equal in terms of the values that they stand for. I think we've seen that recently. And at Emerge, I'm very proud of the women that run from our network and what they stand for. Well, I think we should cheers that. Cheers. Go ladies. Cheers. Cheers. I, I Where's, lost, oh, Matt took my drink, oh. so I'll do this one. Hold on. Cheers. Cheers. I got Cheers. it. Cheers. <laughs> All right, Gina. Oh, it's my question. So, this is how we know if you've listened to the show or not. Um, 
So in this day and age, everyone identifies themselves with some sort of um, spirit animal. And you know, you might be like, I really identify with, you know, the snow leopard because, you know, it's quite beautiful and striking, a little endangered, but lethal if it gets near you, right? If you can identify yourself with one ingredient, what would it be and why? And it doesn't necessarily have to be cocktail, just any ingredient used in food or beverage. Oh, that is a good question. Um, honestly, I think it would be cheese, <laughs> which is really showing my Midwestern roots for sure. But I just feel like cheese, you know, it's so comforting and it does, it pulls everything together. And that's how I see myself in the world is I really like to bring people together help hold them together when they feel like they're falling apart. It's something I definitely do for a lot of our candidates. And so I would be cheese um, and, and, and food. And then in drinks, gosh, it'd be so hard. I think vodka because I can get along with anyone. <laughs> vodka is a two-hitter on that one. I love that. I got two for one. I like the idea I, of making now. Now we have to make I like you cover all my bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically we have to make you a cheese martini with vodka. We got it. Perfect. We'll put oh, it that all together. Good. You could do the cheese stuffed olives, right? Yeah, the, of course. Go. Or Pacorino yeah, and red wine, New York sours, you know, whatever. We got Great. you. Okay, you teach me how to make those drinks. I'll teach you how to run for office. Uh, deal? That sounds like the best deal ever. <laughs> <laughs> one, day, one day I'll have an office in, uh, in the Capitol and I'll have a bar in there and we'll talk about prohibition for the rest of my term in office to everybody that will be willing to listen. I'm like, did you know that there used to be a bar in here until they passed Prohibition? Anyway. Thank you for all your work that you do, Jill. You are very inspiring. And thank you for keeping all those women who are working so hard for the rest of us and giving them the chops that they need and giving them the support and everything else it takes to run because I'm sure it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but I'm sure it's very rewarding. So thank you very much. The rest of us benefit from your work. So thanks. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for featuring Emerge. If there's women that are listening or watching, please run for office. You are qualified and you can find us either in your state or nationally. Um, we're coming soon to a place near you virtually to provide some great training. So Awesome. Cheers. And don't forget to vote. Cheers. Thank you. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.